Blog Talk Radio. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Boom 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this is the Keys 107 Network. The program is The Communicators. I'm Brother Leroy, and I'm thankful to the Most High for blessing us to be with you and you to be with us, to exchange ideas in a classroom of knowledge, wisdom, and hopefully some understanding. The Keys 107 Network is filled with various programs of interest to each and every person who tunes in, regardless of what your background is, the communicators focuses on problems and challenges within the black community of the United States of these Americas. And we look for stories that will give information, provide information, and hopefully some direction and solutions. And in terms of doing a good deed, we advise you always to pass on the information that you get over this program This program is a classroom. The Communicators is a classroom, meaning as we get into the interview, you have the opportunity of joining in at the appropriate time. Telephone number to call in and ask a question is 213-943-3618. 213-943-3618. And you hit one on your telephone pad, and that Let's our engineer know that you are in line to ask a question. Today's program is a repeat, not a repeat program, but a, a, a second interview that we have with a young lady, a grandmother, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota is portrayed to those of us outside of Minneapolis as being, being pretty civil and being a place that's nice to live, et cetera. Well, that's the way it is with all communities outside of your area where black people might happen to live, except that this this story that this young lady is telling is one that relates to a longstanding policy within 
the United States and British colonies of taking Native children, we'll say Native children, away from their parents and putting them into white homes. That, for some of us who don't know, that has a disruption on our family life. It has a disruption on the child's sense of who he and she is. It disrupts the family from the standpoint of they know that they have a child or a grandchild or a niece and nephew somewhere, and they're in a home that is unlike theirs, that they have the opportunity to take care of the child, but the state has refused to grant custody to the black family. In this case, the black family. In other cases, the Native American families. Without further ado, we're very happy to have back with us young lady. She tells her story. Take down the information. Take down the information because there are some things that you might be able to do, a phone call, a letter, or just passing on the information to other people who did not get a chance to listen. And I might say I want to thank all of those who are joining us after listening and watching Minister Farrakhan give his presentation on the time and what must be done on NOI.org. And now on with the communicators. We're very happy to welcome to the communicators, the Keys 107, Dorothy Dunning. God bless you, my sister, and welcome once again to the communicators. God bless you, Brother Leroy. I'm happy to be on your show again tonight, and I just consider it a privilege and an honor that you would take the time to have me on, and I would like to thank you. Well, I thank you. It's an opportunity to do some good deed on this part, just presenting you and on the part of our listeners passing on the information that you get about her case. Sister Dorothy Dunning, give us a review of what you shared with us a couple of months ago. There are many new listeners, so we're going to start afresh. Don't assume that we know anything, okay? So tell us your story. Okay. My name is Dorothy Dunning, and um, Dorothy Knox Dunning, and I'm coming to you from Gautier, Mississippi, and it's round uh, round Biloxi, Mississippi. Everybody, I'm about 20 minutes from Biloxi, Mississippi. Everybody seems to know where Biloxi is, and mm-hmm. I'm right on the outside of Biloxi. But mm-hmm. I started um, this case back in 2009. I received a phone call one night from a lady. Her name was Miss May, and she advised me that my son was here sleeping on her floor. My son and the baby's mother had a a substance abuse problem, and she told me that I needed to bring my son home. And my son, immediately the next morning, I got up and wired money and got tickets and brought them home. And my son, when he got off the bus, him and the young lady, I asked them, them, um, you know, where was the, uh, where was the grandbaby? They said the grandbaby was with the sister. But come to find out, after my son and the girl had been here about no more than about maybe a week, the girl and my son got into an argument, and the girl informed my son that the um, the DHS had the baby. And that was on a weekend. Monday morning, I got up, 
and called to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, in Henderson County. And I called them, and that's when the nightmare began. At the time, my granddaughter was two months old, and I advised them that my son was here, the young lady was here, and I have been fighting for custody ever since. My son and the young lady willingly gave up their rights in order for for me to raise the the granddaughter. And at the time, it was just one. But since this time, about a year and a half, about a year later, there was another baby born. So now it's two little girls. But back up, I have been fighting this fight before when the first baby was just barely two months old. And they led me to believe that I had to go to school and get licensed. They led me to believe that I had to do so many things that could have been avoided. But I found out it was a tactic that prolongs the time in order for the for the foster family, which is a Caucasian family, where they can say that the babies have bonded in their home. And that is that is they plan to drag the time out, to make it a long time, so that, that way they can say the babies are bonded in the home. But from day one, the first day I called, I asked them could I fly out to Minnesota. They told me, no, I couldn't fly out. They told me, no, I couldn't ask no questions. They told me I had to go to school and get a background check. So at the time, I um, I started doing everything they told me to do. After we get one hurdle done, they come back with something else. You get that one finished, they come back with something else. It was always something to come back to keep me from getting my granddaughter's and both states, the state of Mississippi, ruled in my favor for me to raise my granddaughters. The um, the workers in, in Minnesota ruled in my favor was backing me to get my grandchildren. But the judge, which is a Caucasian judge, overruled both departments and ruled in the Caucasian family for them to adopt my grandchildren. Because they they say it's in the best interest of the children. And that's what they use in the best interest of the kids. And so they use this little law called the best interest so they can take your children away from you. But, Hmm. Brother Leroy, this is a major, major problem that's going on in the state of Minnesota. I mean, this is a huge problem. And I also found out they want to labor all the black children and different children, not only black, any children that come into the home, they want to labor them special needs. Because when you labor them special needs, that means you get more money. And they was trying to labor my granddaughters to have special needs because if they'd have got my granddaughter to declare special needs, they would have received $1,400 a week. And you can go today, don't take my word for it, type in Minneapolis, Minnesota, payment for foster care for special needs children. That means they would have had to pay them $96 a day for each child. If the child don't have no problems, they pay them like 20 to $25 a day. But, but if a child has special needs, that means you pay $100 a day. 
And this is what they're doing. They're going around and laboring our, our children. This is an epidemic problem in the communities all around. But it it came in contact with me because I'm fighting in Minnesota. But people have been reaching me from all around the world. Even a girl from your state sent me an email from New York back here about two weeks ago and was talking about how her mother was denied from keeping them. Her mother had a mental illness, and they placed, she told me that they placed her mother, placed them in a uh, in a foster home, and it was a nightmare. And this is what we're going through with. It is each state receives so much money off of each child. Every time you place a child in foster care, it is a your state receives so much money plus the foster care that they uh, it it's it's a new form of slavery, it's a new form of trafficking Afro American children. Not only Afro American children, any children that who's not come from a background or someone that can stand up and fight for them and don't have the means, they are making money off kids today. And we as in the black community, in any community, as grandparents, uncles, nieces, and nephews, we need to stand up and take a look and see what's going on. I have been reaching out to many prominent people. That's why I'm so thankful to you, Brother Leroy, just taking the time to uh, to even reach out to me. And I just appreciate that you taking the time because I have reached out to Reverend Al Sharpton so many times, reached out to Reverend Jesse Jackson. I hadn't heard anything. But I have had a lawyer to fly all the way from Minnesota, never seen me before in his life. Just I just sent him all my newspaper articles. And he flew down to Mississippi and met with me in my home and told me this is the most, prejudice case that he ever seen in his life and he was going to do everything in his power to help me and he have been helping me every way he can the case have went to the supreme court we are waiting on a hearing but not only even after the hearing come we need to band together in our community all around and let's make a difference and start to reaching out to different ones when we see people in situations we don't need to wait till it get all the way out of hand. We need to step in and help. But they want it to get out of hand because when it get out of hand, that's their way of making money off of, the, off of our community, Brother Leroy. Sister Dorothy Dunning is our guest, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Keys 107 Network. As you hear, this is her second interview yeah. with me, and we're going to march her around the various programs that she that we do so that more of our people can hear. Now, her situation, as she indicates, is not a singular situation. This is indicative of what is happening around the country. There are different tactics being used. But right here in New York City, a brother approached me a few weeks ago, Brother Harris. He said, hey, man. Tell me, how come, what's up with white people with these black children? I said, it's a hustle. 
He said, yeah. He said, that's what I told my wife. He said, but everybody else, they don't know what they're looking at. It's a hustle, ladies and gentlemen, with many of these people who have adopted or have black children and they're forced to care. It is a hustle. They get money. They're not working. They're not employed. And a lot of us are just fast asleep. And I'm not advocating that we get into taking care of our own children as a hustle. There's money there, but it's for the care and attention of the children. But there are a lot of people who are abusive and who don't care anything about the children who come into their home. And then there are very nice families. I know of a family that was down on 2nd Avenue, and now they're in Brooklyn, the Wrights. And they, they took magnificent care of the children who were in their care, raised them and everything else, and uh, tried to give them the kind of home. So we're good people, but there are a lot of bad people around. So, Dorothy Dunning, I need you to just go back over something so that we we have the right timeline down. When your son and the young lady, the mother of these two children, reach your home in Mississippi, because... They reached my... Go ahead. It was it was in I'm sorry, Brother Leroy. It was in December. They came in December and it was like the first part of December. And December of first year. It was two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. Okay. Uh huh. And, and they, after they go ahead. No, let me let me just fill in the gaps and then you correct me. When they get there, you ask them where the child is because you know that there's a baby. And they say they say it's with the sister. Your 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 son thought it was with the sister, but there's an argument that that occurred later on, and the girl says that the child is in um, uh, the services of the child child agency service, whatever it's called out there in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And at that point, because you knew it wasn't in the care of a family member of hers that it was up for grabs, so to speak, you make a call to the agency in Minnesota, the city agency in Minneapolis, and just go over that conversation. You introduce yourself as the mother, as the grandparent of just just go through that conversation with yes, us. Yes, I, um, I, like you said, Brother Leroy, an uh, argument pursued, and the girl informed my son in order to hurt him, to let him know, oh, by the way, the welfare has the baby. So my son came running to me and said, Mama, Mama, the, the, the baby is not with her sister. So immediately from Sunday morning, Monday morning came, I got up immediately early that morning and called because what happened was, let me back up, people might have said, well, why you didn't call right away? What happened was when I saw them, they were so badly, uh, you can tell they was had been really using for quite a while. You can just look at the appearance and tell. So I was my main goal was trying to, since she led us to believe the sister had the baby, I was going to put them in rehab. And once I put them in rehab, I was going to get out, drive to Minnesota, and just thought I could go and pick the baby up from the system. Come come to find out, that's not how you do it. So what happened was I called 
and I spoke to the first worker was a Miss Shinny, and I spoke with her, and she informed me what all I had to do and told me what I needed to do. But, Brother Leroy, they went through about four, I'll say four different social workers. When one don't play the game that they want them to play, I, I learned they move them out of the way and go get other ones who will play the game that they want them to play. And mm-hmm. so that that is that is how they do it. I, I have learned it because I've been fighting this three years, and I have seen what they do because one, one social worker who had, well, let me stay on track. What happened was when I called them, I told them, I introduced myself and told them that I was, this was my son's child, and I told them that I wanted to, to take custody of my granddaughter. They informed me that they uh, had to do a test, you know, to confirm that I'm my son was the natural father. Then, Brother Leroy, let me tell you what they do. They took that and dragged it on for three months before they even did the test. Now, I called them in December to tell them that I want my granddaughter. But mm. here it is three months later before they even test my son to even see is he the father. That's They study, dragging it. This is all a tactic to drag mm. the, to drag it on and make, and make it like the kid's been in the system like nobody's coming for him. And that's mm. how they do it. That's that's their tactic. Mm-hmm. That's their tactic. That's what they do. And so I have been reaching out to them and reaching out and uh, begging them. I mean, Brother Leroy, y'all just literally begging them. i never seen this before that you couldn't even go visit. But I had a – even after I had my background check, even – after I did all that, they still wouldn't let me come. The only way I could go to visit is I had to hire a lawyer, and that took me a year and a half wow. to even to get a first visit. That's how long they stall tactic. Hmm. And so it's a stall tactic, and they want to keep them in the system to make money. And hmm. they try to, every last one of them, they want to label them special needs. What what this is what I my situation is. If if the judge says both families, she said in her order both families was capable of taking care of the children. What mm-hmm. make her better than me? Those mm-hmm. are my blood grandchildren. What make mm-hmm. her better than me? Beautiful point. Mm-hmm. Now we both capable, and I'm their blood grandmama. Mm. What make her better than me to raise my beautiful. own grandchildren? Mm. Beautiful. Mm. I need someone to answer that. What make her better than me? Mm. When there she go, got four children of her own, then she got five more foster children. Wow. And they built, uh, they built two rooms under her house. She has a nine-bedroom home. They get rooms built on free, Brother Leroy. Then plus the state was paying for two nannies. Now, mm. when they come to us, we then we can't get them to do nothing for us. But let, let me tell you what I told them. This is court record. I told them don't give me one dime. 
for my grandchildren. I don't want a dime. Just give them to me. But they ready to pay, the state ready to pay her to keep them and ready to pay two nannies. I never seen anything like it. But it's a new form of slavery getting rich off of poor families. But they've ran up on one poor family here, I would say, that will not bag down and will not stop fighting. Because how did, I'm go how ahead. Did the first, how did the first article relating to your situation get into the newspapers out there? My son went to work. He poked concrete, and he went to work to poke concrete at this gentleman's house um, to um, to poke some cement to poke his driveway. This is and the, the, son, his, this is the his, father, my son named Aubrey Knox Jr. And he went father, to. Po- this is the father of the baby. No, mm-mm. this is another. This is my son. oldest son. Okay, my second son, I have three sons. This is my oldest son. He went to work to pole cement at this gentleman's house to, who owned a newspaper. And he started talking to the um, Mr. Al McFarlane and asked him, say, can you please help my mother? Said, my mother has been fighting for her grandchildren and said she needs help. Can you please help her? And what happened was, he, Mr. McFarland said he was so taken with my son in the story, he wrote a four-page article in the newspaper. And after that, mm-hmm. he wrote one more. Then after that, he wrote another. And then after that, other other people started seeing it, and they just started picking the story up, just started picking it up. So it's have been about ten articles wrote on this case. Now the article, the first article was in a Mississippi paper. No, no, all the articles are in Minnesota. Okay, and just so, another thing I have found out, brother Leroy. Let me tell you this before I forget. They don't want it to leave on the outside of Minnesota. They trying to keep everything hush hush, because see, if it get on the outside. It's gonna it's gonna spoil them, and what I mean spoil them, all those people that got their hand in all this money, they ain't gonna be able to continue to get this money because we're gonna bring a we're gonna bring the light to what they doing, and this is why I'm trying to get the case to get on Good Morning America. That's why I'm trying to get the case on on uh, the View on Oprah Winfrey. I'm trying to get this case out so people can see what's going on. There is a grandmother where you have checked her background, no criminal history, has a three-bedroom home, not a big home, just a modest three-bedroom home, bath and a half. But here she is, both states ruling her favor to get her grandchildren. But the judge overruled both states when both states is backing the grandmother and gives them to the Caucasian family. I want to know why. That's mm. why they don't want it to go on the outside of Minnesota. Mm. They want us to keep it a hush-hush. 
but I'm, mm. I am not going to let it stay in Minnesota. It's going to get national news, just like the other case that just was on national news where the lady t- had the baby and took it while her husband was overseas fighting for our country. She took and gave the baby to a Caucasian family. Mm. And the judge, this has been all over the news, the judge overruled and returned the baby back to the father. But the Caucasian family have filed a lawsuit to take it all the way to the Supreme Court to fight this man for his own child. What right do they have to our children, Brother (laughs) Leroy? You know, the... Wise man said, there'd come a day in America when the truth would be plain enough for a fool to see. And that's the time that we're living in. Plain enough for a fool to see. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Miss Dorothy Dunning, Mississippi. story primarily revolves around Minnesota, the great state of Minneapolis, Minnesota, rather, And we're going to come back to Mr. Dunning after these announcements. You'll have the opportunity to call in now. We have much more of a story to bring out to you. Telephone number 213-943-3618-213-943-3618. And you hit one on your telephone keypad that lets us know that you have a question. And the second half of this interview we're going to explore with Ms. Dunning the cases that she's become aware of and people who have stepped forth to help her and give her insight into what's happening in Minnesota in general for her to say that this is an epidemic that's going on all around us. So stay tuned. We will be right black. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the final call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the final call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at... 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. 
success, fashions, and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. This is w- this is the communicators coming to you over at blogtalkradio.com, the keys one oh seven. I'm Brother Leroy, your host. Our guest online is Sister Dorothy Dunning of Mississippi, small town outside of Biloxi. People know where Biloxi is because I think that's where gambling goes on at. That is casinos, correct. Casinos and all all that other good stuff. And uh, I believe we have a caller on the line. God bless you. Thank you for your call. You're on the black air. Do we have a caller? Yes, now I'm on the line. Good evening. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. Yes. Uh, uh, Ms. Dunning, make sure. And Leroy, keep a, a, a note of uh, I'm going to ask a, a somewhat of a multi-part question, and I'll listen over the air. But Ms. Dunning... Is it D-U-N-N-I-N-G? No, ma'am. It's D-U-N-N-I-N-G. That's what I tried to say. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I want to send my um, uh, condolences to you in, for your continued losses. And thank you so much for the good fight. Uh, as the engineer came on the line, I missed the end of the story of the oldest son going to do a concrete job and how you were able to get that first story in. So that's the first part of my question. I also want to know whether you have reached out to various support groups because this is happening all over the country. And even when I was in Canada, I I saw a similar situation. So I want to know whether you have reached out, and, 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 and Brother Leroy has had a couple, at least a couple people. There's Brother Professor Ernie out on the West Coast who's been charting this in his area. So that would be my second question and suggestion about reaching out to the support groups. And I also want to know if the family court in, in Minneapolis was initially and has been involved because According to um, Alex Jones, when he gives a history of the family court, he says it's it's a eugenics court, okay, a eugenics court. So those are my um, three-part questions. If you're clear on the questions, he can Mm -hmm. unmute my line, and uh, I'll listen over the the air. Okay, the last question, I don't know what that means, Brother Leroy. Right, the Dunning, the the uh, eugenics court. Uh, you got to clarify that one. Yes, e- eugenics 
is a type of um, hmm, a definition of eugenics. eugenics. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said family court, then you went to eugenics court. Yes. In other words, when Alex Jones gives the whole history of when the family courts came up around the country, I think uh, Rockefeller was connected with that. I can't remember all the details, but he goes into this history of the family courts because he's dealt with a lot of these type cases. Uh, He says it's a eugenics court. And, and and if we all know what eugenics is, that's a type of genocide against a particular people. And I, I see it happening in all areas. So so family courts not having a legitimate basis per uh-huh. the Constitution, but coming up specifically as 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 a type of eugenics. Miss Dunning, do you understand what I'm saying? I think so. I think so. I, th- well, I think. Well, let me, let, let me just before before. Who is the one that you said was talking about family court? Oh, okay. And finished? I'm sorry, I can't pick up the receiver right now. But it's Alex Jones. Alex okay. Jones of Infowars and Prison Planet. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank uh, you for this program. Okay, uh, eugenics. Sister Dunning is a a element of white supremacy that deals with survival of the fittest. It comes out, I'm not going to say it comes out of Darwin uh, as Darwinism, but it revolves around that individual. They, they call it the Darwin theory of evolution and the survival of the fittest. Now, what it means, survival of the fittest is always Caucasians. And they designate uh, non-Caucasian groups and also uh, midgets and and others who might be Caucasian. They they describe them as uh, the lesser of their species, and you just let them die out. I'm making a long story short. Okay, yeah, I get, I get what I get. I understand what she's trying to say. And to brother, brother Leroy, I can answer that question once you broke it down and explain it to me. To me, brother Leroy, to me, brother Leroy, I see it as uh, domination over blacks. I because I see when I was sitting in court, it was like to me, they made me feel like that I wasn't even. Of human, as say the proper word, it made they made me feel like I wasn't even human. Made me feel like that I wasn't even there. It was like they had all the power, and they gonna show you they got all the power, and they gonna show you they gonna they gonna they can they can do just what they wanna do. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is the way they make you feel when you come up in there, because. To me, when you read my transcripts, it speaks for itself. Whatever I said didn't matter, but Mm. whatever the Caucasian woman said, that's what Mm. they went with. Mm. Like she put in all this stuff about special needs, special needs, and Mm. they went along with it. But it's nothing in documentation to back it up. So that tells me her word is more superior than mine. That tells me that my word is nothing. Because when the judge looked at me and looked at a watch and told, set it out in the courtroom, and everybody heard her, said that she was tired and ready to go home. And it made me feel like, hey, 
just made me feel like dirt. It made me feel like nothing. But she didn't even realize what she did. All she did was brought out a fight in me that they won't ever forget. Because they thought that this case was going to go away just like all the others. And like so many people have come to me, Brother Leroy, I went and I spoke at a church up there in Minnesota. And just in that congregation... About six or seven people come crying to me, begging and pleading with me to help them. Please help me. Please help me. Because I was telling them about my story. Like one young girl in particular, she had four kids, and she was raped. And they took her kids, and they said that she was making her kids sick because she was taking them to the doctor too much. Now, wow. if you're taking them to the doctor too much, that's crazy wow. saying you're taking them too much. And the girl, the young lady, got a, a statement from the doctor saying that her baby was misdiagnosed. That's why her baby kept her being sick. And she took it and tried to introduce it in the court to the judge. And the young lady said the judge wouldn't even hear of it. Wouldn't even, because you know why, Brother Leroy? That cuts off all that money. People need to go and start Googling. It's a lot of money to be made off of these kids. It is a new form of, of slavery. It, they are trafficking a lot of our kids, keeping them in those homes, making those folks rich. Now, for now, our she asked a question about the first article appearing in the paper. The oldest son was uh, laying uh, concrete. The oldest son was laying concrete, and he happened to be, the, the concrete uh, job happened to be for a man who owned a paper in Minis- in Minneapolis. And that is correct. Then, then that man made contact with you by phone, and the story um, was written yeah, after that. Yeah, it took that. off from there. Yeah, it took off from there. He made contact with me, and he told me he wanted to do an article. And then he did this big article. Then about a month later, about two, three months later, I flew out there. They did a form. They did this big old form at this mm-hmm. uh, community center. And that's when they did another huge article with a lot of leaders, Brother Leroy, did a lot of talking, and then, yeah. none, then none of them keep up with what they said they was going to do. And well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, the name of the paper? The name of the paper is Insight News. Insight it's News the, mm-hmm. of Minneapolis, right? Uh-huh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's okay. on my Facebook, Brother Leroy. Okay, and uh, what support groups have you been in contact with? That was the other part of a question. The, um, the other question is, I really hadn't been in no support group because where I live in Mississippi, we don't have one. But that's that's a good question, Brother Leroy, because I have come to the conclusion that I was going to start a support group. And I'm going to also start an organization, a non-profit organization, reaching out to families who's going through with the same thing I'm going to going through with. So I'm in the process of looking into that, getting ready to try to, Get something off the ground with that because I want to be, I want to, I, I don't want to just get in it and people help me and I go somewhere and sit down. 
I want to reach back and go to helping somebody else. Because you got a lot of people who are being cheering or being taken for no reason. Now, I'm not saying some cheering don't need to be taken. Now, let's clear this up. There are some cheering need to be taken. But not when you got when you got both welfare departments saying that the grandmother was fit, the grandfather was fit, they capable of taking care of them, why they can't go back to their family. Now, it's different if they can't go back to the family. That's understandable. But Ms. don't Dunning, go just, and take someone cheering. Ms. Dunning, just hold on. Yes. We, I believe we have another caller on the line. Caller, your question. Thank you for your patience. God bless you. Hi, how are you? God bless you, too. I'm excellent. Thank you. Yes. And my, uh, you have a question or you uh, have a uh, statement to make in support of Ms. Dunning? That's yes, been I my right hand her. right there, Brother Leroy. <laughs> She's been my right hand right there in Minnesota. This been my right hand. <laughs> yes, how are you? I'm just, I, I just, I'm amazed at the strength that she has because if we don't get together and band together as a race of people, this is going to continue to happen. And, and her prayers and what she wants to do is make this a federal law. We just got to take back our children. We got to just take back our communities, our neighborhoods. And I think this is going to happen after Miss Dunning goes through what she's been through. I've watched her with her grandchildren. I've watched her while well, I hear her with her grandchildren on the phone with the ones in Mississippi. I see her with her grandchildren at visits, and she in, they interact with her very well. You can tell there's a flow there, but people want to make it look like that there's no bond there. But when you got blood, there's always a bond. Even if you, there's a distance, there's a bond. So these children do have a bond with their grandmother. And if you ever see them on Facebook, you'll see they all look alike. State your credentials. State your I'm sorry, say that again? I wanted her to state her credentials, Brother Leroy, and state her right. name. Because she just, no. she just not just a fly by night. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you my name is Fluffy right now. Okay, and, um, go ahead. That's my daughter's nickname. I'm a guardian at Lightham. I'm also a foster parent for 25 years, and a foster parent to me is you take care of the children until a family member steps up or a relative or a friend, um, someone that can do the job. We're just here temporary. We're not supposed to be here permanent. I've never had a child in my home that I wanted to keep forever, no matter how cute, cuddly they were, because one thing about it, these kids are going to foster care and they're cute when they're little, but when they get big, guess what? They're putting them back in the system, mm-hmm. and then nobody wants them. Wow. This is every wow. day. Every day this is happening. There's so many kids that have broken adoption. Uh, say that again? Broken adoption. These kids have been adopted, and they've been sent back to the system which they come from, who fought so hard to put them together, and they're damaged. They were damaged before. They're super damaged because now they don't trust nobody. Because the the place that was supposed to be their forever home, it's gone. So now their hope is gone. So they're just running rapid out there in the streets. When they get to be, you know, teenage, 11, I mean, 13, 14, when they get up there, nobody wants them. They're back in the system, and they don't want they don't want another adoptive home. Wait a minute, you gotta you gotta go through the process with me. Okay, I talk to you. Follow me now. Here's a child that's taken from their parents for whatever reason, mm-hmm. 
and put into foster care. When mm-hmm. you say broken adoption, are you saying that they were in foster care or that they were in an adopted home, that they were adopted and put into a home, and then later on as they reach uh, teenage where they begin to move around and you, they, they begin to think on their own, mm-hmm. and that the the adopted the adopt the adopter tells the agency I want to give this child back up. Is that what That's you're correct. saying? That's correct. When they newborns, they cute and cuddly and the foster parent, oh I want them. I'm the best person for the job. Then they get the papers, they get the adoptive, then when the kids get six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years old and they're not that cute no more because now they don't their own thing and you can't handle them. They're tearing up your house or whatever the case may be, and you want to, and you put them back into the system that you begged the system to give them to you. Man. And and, and how is it different with you? Because for me, I get kids ready and prepared to go wherever they need to go because I'm, I have raised my family. I got seven grandchildren. I have two living children. And so I'm not trying to keep folks' children. And so, I mean, I'm trying to help them get to another level, whether i got to get all their medical stuff in place, their mental health stuff in place, and just get them ready to go to the family when the, when the time is right. I oh, work with okay. the family. Huh? Okay, I understand, uh, because the, the although they're, they're, you've never adopted them, you have kept them in your force to care, preparing them, to go back home if that occasion arose. Correct. And how how often has that happened with the children that you have cared for? I've had a few a few placements. One placement lasts for five years. The sad thing with this case was the mom thought she was I was going to adopt them. I kept telling her, "No, I'm getting them ready for you. You need to get your act together." And so she lost her rights. But that was because she was not doing what she needed to do to come up. But she was a young mother, so she lost her rights, and then the children were adopted. And, and then the so. what? Pardon? And you said, and then she lost her rights, and then what? Then they were adopted to someone else. I, they wouldn't even let me keep them anymore. Wow. Wow. Now, her losing her rights was under that law that Bill Clinton signed. Is that correct? No, I don't. I don't think it was a, under a law of a, a law necessarily. Um, she just didn't do do what she needed to do. Because when I work with a parent, I always tell them, even as a guardian, I tell them this is like an onion. We're gonna peel off one piece at a time. We're gonna get this right. I mean, I don't just put people out there. I go where they need to go. I take them to the doctor. I take them to the parenting classes. I take them everywhere they need to go to make them a whole person. So when you reject that, you're showing the agency that you're not trying to be a good foster parent, I mean a good parent. So you're messing, you, you turn, you get your turn. She got her rights terminated because she wasn't playing, she was playing a game. Okay, so how did you and Sister Dunning uh, make a connection? Oh, at church. <laughs> she came by my church one day, and she was telling her story, and, of course, it got my heart. So I had my business cards with me. And, I, you know, I always tell everybody, if you need me, let me know. And so, you know, I'm just going on about my business, and then next thing I know, I get a call, and she needed me. So we've been friends, and we've been running ever since on this little race. And it's not a little race, it's a big race, but I've been there for her, she's been there for me, and we just listen to one another and try to work through this. Because I know 
what it feels like to have a grandchild taken away from you. It's like a hole in your heart. It's an empty feeling that nothing, nothing can ever feel. Nobody knows that unless they go, unless they go through it. And the sad thing is everybody in America is not going to go through it so they don't get behind a situation like this one because it never happens to them. They ain't going to know about it until it happens to them. You said you know what it feels like. Has that happened with your case? Um, well, what happened with mine, when my daughter passed away, her husband, he was in prison, and he wanted his son to be with his mother. But my family was more entwined with the, my grandson. But the court fixed it so they could take they could take him, but then they gave him back. And uh, one day we picked him up for a visit, and they pushed him and everything in the car. So God fixed it so we got him back. But we got him with his baggage. He got damaged out there. They were in a shelter home. I mean, all kinds of stuff happened to my baby while he was out there. So I know what Miss Dunn is going through. Wow. Okay, we have another caller on the line. Caller, your question. Thank you for your patience. You're on the black air. Hey, how you doing? Excellent. Thank you, my brother. Uh, um, this is um, Aubrey Knox. Miss um, Dunn is my mom. And okay. I was calling... Uh, Mr. Dunning, is your mom? Yes, sir. Oh, okay, beautiful, my brother. Uh, please share with us your experience from your standpoint. Well, tell him how you met I, Mr. I, McFarlane. Well, he 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 hit it on the head with that. I was um doing some work at um Mr. McFarlane's house, um doing some cement work, and I brought my my mother's story to his attention because I felt like it needed to be out. Um, I couldn't believe that they were actually going through with taking kids when you have a ready and willing family that's there. I just thought that was unbelievable. So I told him the story, and then he he did his research, and he jumped behind us. And we're grateful for that. Beautiful. He brought it, um, he brought it to attention. Excellent. And and in terms of, uh, you you said you you couldn't believe that what was happening was happening, and what is your what is your experience now? What does your experience tell you now that you would guide or inform other people in other parts of the country or even in you know Minnesota or wherever they are about the care and protection of black children? Well, for one, I, I guess that, that's that's not easy to answer, but I guess just to be more involved in the community is is the best way. To always lend a helping hand and the and the and the and the lend a ear because you never know what's going on and and how you can help. Um, I don't know how this particular situation could have been avoided because it's weird because she did everything she was supposed to do. The, the the DHS didn't even know about my mom. My mom contacted them when the child was two and a half months old. And that's that's what's so outrageous about the whole case. Like the fight for the second child started before she was even born. Mm. So I don't see how they have a leg to stand on saying that she wasn't there and she wasn't cooperating. When this whole thing started, when the first child was two and a half months old and before the second child was even born. She stood up and said she wanted the child, 
and she was there for the child. Mm. But that just shows you the the system. And uh, people really need to stand up and really take a, a, a close and detailed look. It's not something that should be shrugged off. Like when you really dig into the money that's behind it, it's not just foster parents getting money. The, 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 yeah, break it down. There's break money it down. to be made federally behind this. States make money off this. It's not just something that foster parents make money. The government makes money for each child that gets adopted. Mm. Mm. And and uh, Sister Dunning, the story about the second child, uh, as I recall, the, the young lady went back to Minnesota back to Minneapolis and had the baby there and the whole thing began to, to take place again? That is correct. Well, once that once that you have a baby, um, Brother Leroy, born with drugs in the system, you already right. tag you already tagged in the system. So right. when she so when she had the second baby she was all they automatically checked her baby. Well that's any child now. They check for drugs. And if your child got any type of drugs in his system and you ain't got no prescription or anything for that, your child automatically get taken. So that baby was taken. But the sad thing about it is the law says when I came on the scene for that second baby, I had already had my uh you know, going through the process that baby should have automatically went to me. It shouldn't even been even placed with the foster family. But the yeah. reason they wouldn't do that, Brother Leroy, because it's a little catch to it. They they tries to keep siblings together. So that means if they would have placed the second baby with me, that means that they were gonna have to remove that other baby from the home. <laughs> and they wasn't yeah. about to do that. And, and this is amazing. Your son said he can't believe it. I mean, the stuff is amazing. And you you touched on it when you said, hey, you know, they show you the power and they're going to do what they want to do. But as long as the light is not shown on them, they can do what they want to do. But when the light is shown on them, it's like roaches. They will mm-hmm. scurry. And, and that's this is embarrassing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That is correct, Brother Leroy. You said the proper word is embarrassing to them. That's why, Brother Leroy, I'm begging for someone who is out in radio land to hear my voice. I'm begging people to please try to help me get this case to the media. This case needs to get to the media because there's so many people in Minnesota are crying out for help. They need help. Because, Brother Leroy, it is so bad in Minnesota they are taking the people, kids. People, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people are contacting me. So they're taking their kids for any little thing. And and it's just sad. And the people are just crying and begging me to help them. So I and feel a, like God has... Thing, go ahead, I, I just thought about it. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I guess um, a piece of advice that I would give to somebody in a situation like this if you're not able, if you're a father, you have rights. And if you're not able to care for the kids, you know that, that, that you're not able, you don't have to give up your rights. That's another uh, interesting point about this case. My brother didn't lose his rights. He didn't do anything bad. He didn't cooperate where he, he, he lost his rights. His rights were terminated. My brother didn't know what he was doing. My brother went in court and gave up his rights. 
stating that he was on drugs and he wanted my mother to raise the girls. But he just went about it the wrong way. He had he had no clue of what he was doing. When he gave up his rights saying he wanted my mom to raise the kids, they terminated his rights and didn't honor his wishes. But he should have kept his rights. So anybody else that would um, go through a situation like this, my advice would be keep your rights because if my brother would have, if I would have been there, we wouldn't be here. Because my brother could have kept his rights and then decided everything, even though he was a druggie. He got rights still being a druggie. He could have decided, you know, well, I want my kids to go here. And he would have had a say-so, but he went about it the wrong way. He just didn't know. Now, uh, and they should have honored those wishes. I'm sorry, brother. We're going to conclude in a few minutes. We have some announcements that we're going to make. When we get back from those announcements, I'd like for you to indicate how folks can connect with you in order to uh, give you whatever kind of support and also uh, not only connect with you, but what are the things that you would like for the audience to do in terms of helping you and the others who are contacting you for help. So we'll be back after these announcements on the Keys 107 Network. Please pay very close attention to the announcements, the advertising support, whether it's for the Final Call newspaper, we advise you all, support a black newspaper. Whether it's the Final Call or another paper, support the papers that support you and the ABC book, support that book and the other advertisers that you're about to hear. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, And the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. 
It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're black with you. This is the Communicators coming to you over the Keys 107 Network. For those in your family and friends and relatives who did not get a chance to listen to this program live, they can go into the archives, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Keys 107, and then look for the Communicators hosted by Brother Leroy, and today's date, February 17, 2013. Once again, our guest is Miss Mrs. Dorothy Dunning of Mississippi, and the drama takes place in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Sister Dunning, what are some things you would like for us to do as an audience, and how do people connect with you? Well, they can go to Dorothy Dunning, Facebook, and Dunning, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, and go to my Facebook and send me a friend request. And I have a lot of information on there, and I would like for the people to contact the governor of Minnesota. You can just Google the governor of Minnesota and contact him and talk uh Talk to him about the Dorothy Dunning case and um, just tell him there need to be some law changes. And I, I would really like for people just to really start to reaching out in their community and even around their surroundings. Just start trying to make a difference. Don't let situations when you see a mother struggling, a single mother, or with a murder. A uh, single father struggling. Take the time and help, because someone just need a helping hand, and that's what I really want the peoples to see. Let's start in our own community. Let's don't look for somebody else to come in and take over and take care of our people. We can take care of our people and band together to take care of our family members. And that's what we need to do. We need to band together as a nation of people. Quit letting another race come in and always rule over us. Let's rule over ourselves and govern ourselves like we're supposed to. But most of all, just be caring. And also, I'm asking the people, if they can Reach out to the Dorothy Dunning Fund at the TCF Bank and and uh, help me to get backwards and farther. I'm supposed to fly every month to go see my granddaughters, but I'm not able to go every month. I have to go every other month 
and I'm just been relying totally on strangers to get me there. Mm-hmm. And also, I want the people to know, I appreciate everything anybody do for me. Mm-hmm. But most of all, I hadn't, the people's, I hate to say it, Brother Leroy, but it's the truth. We cannot get no financial support in our community to help me trying to make a difference. I'm trying to make not only a difference for me, but for any family that's coming behind me. I want to make a difference. In order for me to make a difference, I need to get backwards and fathers. Brother Leroy, I want to go to the White House. I want to be able to fly and go take a sign and go out there and walk around and stand up and plead my case and try to get national attention. But, but Brother Leroy, I can't, we can't even get $100 raised in the account. It's just... It's just sad. Our people don't don't support, don't do anything. But I'm asking you, if you can, can you please go to the TCF Bank, and the account number is sixty four forty one fifty nine fifty three seventy three, and it's the Dorothy Dunning Fund at the TCF Bank. Let me say it one more time. The Dorothy Dunning Fund at the TCF Bank. The account number is 64-41-59-53-73. I know some... The TCF Bank is where? In Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. And it's a fund that these two ladies, elderly ladies... Set this up for me. Um, they saw the story in the paper, and they met me at the courthouse, Miss wow. Willie Mae Demons. And they've been these wow. ladies. One was seventy-eight, and the other was seventy-five. And mm. they've been trying to help me. They are natural warriors. They've been mm. helping me every way they can. Even when Brother Leroy, they this case, what they tries to do is financially ruin you. And yes. this what they have done to me. I am over a hundred thousand dollars in debt with this case. Mm. Mm. With this case. With this one case. Mm. And I also let me say this real fast because I know we got to go. This this same judge, this girl had another child that didn't belong to my son. But the same judge, now the white lady, she didn't want this boy. But they sent him to his auntie on the mama's side. They made one home visit and gave him to the auntie. And this aunt, they had to pay her to take care of him. But they, they didn't. I didn't ask them for one dime. And they wouldn't even give me my grandchildren. But. Because the Caucasian woman wanted them, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even, uh, they came out to my house four, five, six times, and every time they wanted a different report. And like the what lady said. What do, you mean? what do you mean they wanted a different report? What do you mean? Okay, when I say that, they would come, the lady says, uh, Miss Dunny. Okay, they came back out. They said that we didn't do enough information. 
they want it like they may say we need to get more into your uh background. Gotcha. Uh, well, my background already been approved. Okay, then gotcha. they'll come back out and say you didn't. Uh, we felt like the social worker wasn't giving us enough information. I got then, it. Now, these are people that flew in from Minnesota, or n- no? These are they contact the social workers down here in Mississippi. Okay. And the social workers in Mississippi came to my home. But Mrs. Montgomery, she told me I can use her name. Mrs. Montgomery said that she had been a social worker for 20-something years. And she's on record saying this. She says from day one that they was not intending to give me these children. She said because she had been a social worker, and she said I've seen this game plan before. And she said, Miss Dunning, this is game plan. They're not going to give you these children. I didn't believe her because this was my first time ever something happened like this to me. So I thought she didn't know what she was talking about. But I must say, Miss Montgomery knew exactly what she was talking about. Miss Montgomery is, is based where? In Mississippi. Okay. Because she said when they send one report back and they done everything on that report they asked them to do, then they turn around and send for something else. Got you. When they so, told them, that's it. And and she knew the runaround when she saw it. That is correct. That's what she said. She knew the mm-hmm. runaround. She said, this is a stall tactic. They're not going to give them to you. She wow. said, I know this game. All right. Uh, this is interview number two that we've had. I think we only have one other interview with you, right? Yes. Okay, this interview number two, number three is going to be coming up very shortly after I uh, talk to you after this program. We're going to set up interview number three, talking to a different audience and still concerned audience. And uh, Sister Fluffy, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, Brother Gunning, I want you to thank, want to thank you for joining in the conversation. I want to thank our caller for asking the questions that she did ask. And, Sister Dunning, our prayers are with you. And for those who cannot donate, there is such a thing as the power of prayer, brothers and sisters. And if you put the right intent and focus, then you can bring things through. As a child, I used to hear my mother play a gospel song that said, You pray for me and I pray for you. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me, something like that. And then later on in life, in my adult life, I read where it is, according to this writer, it is easier to pull through something in prayer for somebody else than for oneself. So if that's true, that told me this, that if I pray for you and you pray for me, then we both come out winners. So we're going to pray for Sister Gunning and keep her in our prayers and Sister Fluff and also Sister Gunning's sons and her grandchildren, and we look forward to a positive ending to this journey, to this challenge. And I want to thank you for joining us and also our engineers and the Keys 107 Network. My sister, God bless you both. God bless all three of you. Thank you for uh, joining us this evening on The Communicators. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Brother Leroy. Thank you, sis. And Brother uh, Dunning, thank you. 
And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for your joining in on the Keys 107 Network. Please share this information that you gained this evening. Just tell folks with the Internet to plug in and listen to this interview uh, later on in the week. It's filled with information and awareness, awareness on the first part, because this thing is happening in New York City as well as in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's happening all over. Once we get an idea that it's happening, like she said, she spoke to a church congregation and six people jumped up and came to her for help. And we have to form support groups within our churches, within our mosques, within the Masonic Lodge, the Eastern Star Lodge. That's where the organization starts. It starts right where we are. So if we get nothing more than that from this interview, then that's how we have to do. God bless you all, and thank you for listening to the Keys 107 Network. Peace. Hey, hey, yo, bring that microphone over here. I want to tell you something. Hey, 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 my name is Bobby, and I've been living homeless on the streets of New York for years. And the only reason why I'm eating out of dumpsters and I'm living without my family is because I lost my keys. Listen to Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. Proud to announce the Communicators, airing Saturdays at 7 p.m. with your host, Brother Leroy, from the heart of Harlem, USA. Don't forget, every Saturday, 7 p.m., the Communicators, with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network.
visit moon107.com. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, and the believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number no. 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevards. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer, Fridays at 1.15 p.m., for more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200 or www.mosque7.org.